0: Welcome to the LifeCast. We hope that you find this ministry of New Life Assembly of God as an encouragement to you. You will hear messages and lessons in God's Word by our staff and special guests. Enjoy the podcast. After we take communion together, um, we're going to join in one voice together and pray for a young man from this church. His name is Emmett Brooks. And uh, Emmett, they have just found out that um, he has leukemia, this young teenage boy in our church. And we're going to take time and pray for him. Um, Nothing's too difficult for the Lord. Say it with me, nothing is too difficult for the Lord. Uh, there are healings that have been happening around here lately. Uh, taking time to pray with people, for people, praying for one another. And I continue to hear testimonies of what the Lord has done and what's happening. And so I want you to continue to believe, continue to pray, um, and continue to keep your eye on the Lord because He is willing and He is able and He will do it for you. This isn't the message this morning, but I want to share this with you. There are things that we can do in following Christ and becoming like Him and becoming more like Him so that we would become holy. Not arrogant, not self-righteous, but like Him in holiness. Holiness. And as that happens, there is a greater flow from him to us and less um, spiritual disturbance because of choices we make. Okay? We still have challenges in life. But I want you to know when it comes to healing, our righteousness, our following him, our holiness, uh, becoming like him, is a call. As a believer, we're his disciple. So it's not like, well, if I'm sick, I better live more holy. Or, well, I'm healthy, I guess I'm doing good enough. No matter where we're at, we're supposed to continue to follow after him and draw close to him and become like him. We don't do it so that we can be healed. Because I want you to understand something about the healing power of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. As you look through the scriptures, he healed and spent time and touched some people that might be considered righteous. But he touched a whole lot of unrepentant, broken, sinful, needy people. The healing of God depends upon the righteousness of Jesus, not your record. If it depends upon our record, then there is no hope and there is no healing because there is not one of us who is righteous. It's only Him. He is the one that has restored, redeemed, and put things back in order that God intended from the beginning. And with that comes healing because He has dealt with and conquered sin. Sickness came as a result of sin. Jesus met the demand of sin and now. Healing is available. It's based upon His righteousness. It doesn't mean that we get permission to go live like the devil. And there are things He calls us to do to obey that that positions us into a place of greater blessing. Yes, obedience does bring a measure of blessing. Think of your children. They obey there was blessing. They disobeyed. There was discipline because you love them and want them to be responsible. Right? That principle is carried out in perfection, not like we carry it out, but he carries it out in perfection with you and I. But I want you to know that your healing does not depend upon your righteousness. It depends on the perfect righteousness of Jesus. And we are called to follow him and become holy whether we are sick or whether we are healthy. That is our journey. And we're going to pray this morning. When it comes communion time, we're going to pray for Emmett Brooks. And you may have brought your own need, and I want you to know that there's going to be people up here at the front prepared to pray with you today. Now, it doesn't matter if you're here for the first time. Um, you can join right in. This might seem peculiar to you, but it's not peculiar to us. And so you won't stand out in the crowd like you think you might. Don't trip over that. We need to be praying for one another. Isn't that right? Yeah. Why don't you remind each other, kind of turn around to a few people and say, hey, we need to be praying for one another. We need to be praying for one another. We need to be praying for one another. You guys in the booth, you saw me pointing at you. You better tell each other you're not invisible here. Yeah, we need to be praying for one another. Before we celebrate communion together and look at the instruction for us to examine our hearts, examine our life. In other words, uh, before we eat the bread and drink the cup, we're supposed to take a good exam of ourself so that we eat and drink appropriately we're supposed to take inventory and confess sin to God and to uh, ask for help to be transformed and changed. right recalibrate our thinking sometimes we've listened to too many other voices we've listened to our own reasoning and we have missed the wisdom and the perfection of God's order and we deceive ourselves to think that we're right and therefore, God looks at it like we do. God is not about looking at things like you do. We need to be about looking at things like God does. And you will not find that in our world. You will find that in His Word. Second Chronicles chapter 21... Um, David does something. He uh, he counts. <laughs> he counts his military. He's at war, and depending on the translations that you read, you will see in one place it says that he uh, Satan went to battle against Israel, um, or Satan incited David to do this thing. If you look at. Uh, um, Second Chronicles, um, chapter twenty four, Second Samuel chapter 24, you will see there that it said God incited David to count his military. And I don't want you to get hung up on those two things. That's not what the message is about this morning. I just want you to know that there was something lost in translation from the original word and it would be easy for you to be misled and say, oh, the Bible has a contradiction. I just want you to know, put that off the table. That could be for another time. I want us to go to the point this morning. And the emphasis that God, I believe, is bringing to us as we prepare for communion. Um, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, there is this same account. I want you to listen to this now. <clears throat> verse 10, you can go up and start at verse 1, but I'm going to read just from verse 10. As David orders the military men to be counted. Now, I want you to know if you go back, there's a law about the way to do a consensus, and this was not the way. And David instructs Joab to go and have all the military men counted. Joab tried to tell David, don't do this thing. The king won out. Joab went and counted most of the military men. And then this is what happens. He brings back the report to David. And then it says, But David's heart struck him. David's heart struck him. Say it David's heart struck him. Did you say struck like it should be said? <laughs> Those of you who are in the King James, it will say smote. His heart smote at him. I went with struck. David did this thing, he got the report, and then his heart struck him. He did a great sin on the sight of the Lord. And as he commissioned it to be done, he gets a report back, and his heart strikes within him. Have you ever done something, or had something come out of your mouth, and inside your spirit, man, in your soul, your spirit, your heart, it just went, "Oh." That was stupid. Maybe you use different language for yourself. Ooh, I wish I wouldn't have said that or said it like I did. I want you to think about it in the physical parallel. How many of you have ever been in a fight and took a good one? Somebody snuck one in there. Oh, come on, be honest. Yeah. I'm looking at some of your faces. Come on, tell the truth. No, I'm kidding. I've taken a few. How do you think this got to be like this? Actually, actually that was from a parked car, and the swelling never went down. It was this big when I was in fourth grade. Want you to getting struck, taking a good one to the ribs or the head. If you can't, if you're like, that's never really happened to me. uh, Let me let me put it to you this way. Um, You know that sharp corner on the coffee table? You ever take one to the shins? Oh, now we're getting, oh, yeah. See, whatever you are focused on, when you take one to the shins, it interrupts. That what you were focused on, you are no longer focused on. You are focused on shin. And stupid coffee table. And you're just, you are now focused on the pain. You know you're going to recover. Mmm but it is just going right through your body. And then, of course, your second battle is making sure that no bad words come out of your mouth towards your wife who moved the furniture and you're not used to the relocation of the coffee table. (laughs) David took one to the shin. His heart struck him. Because he realized that he sinned. When you realize that you sin, what happens within you? I don't want us to ever lose our heart being struck within us. I'm not a, I don't like guilt. I don't think we should use guilt. I'm not a fan of condemnation, of condemning others or even ourselves. We're all flawed. We all sin. We all fall short of God's glory. Scripture's clear. But I hope that, I hope that the Spirit of the Lord will always love me enough to allow my heart to be tender enough to know when it is struck i want that security i want that security for you and when that happens we we do feel guilt we feel shame we feel like we've been caught We're preparing for communion. We're going to examine ourselves. If there's something in there, then hear me. I want you to take one in the shin. I want our hearts to be struck within us. We can consider maybe why the Lord was upset with Israel while well, they were disobeying him, his his beef was, was with God's beef was with God's people. It wasn't with David at that point. Once David did this great sin, his the seer of God Gad he went. The Lord spoke to him and said, "David, you did this. You did this evil in my sight." I'm going to give you three choices of how my judgment's going to be played out. Two of them would have affected um, David and his military and the Israelite people. Two of them would have affected them to be chased and killed and murdered and fall into the hands of men. David chose number three because it was leaving it to the hands of God. God. He said, I do not want God's people or myself to fall into the hands of men. God, you are merciful. I will fall into your hands. It's an interesting conviction. It would be interesting to God to come and say, hey, Randy, you messed this up. I'm going to give you three choices. You pick. He picks the third. And the third is that an angel would go forth by the direction of God and bring great pestilence and devastation and destruction for three days and just wipe everything out in Israel. Well, David, he said, Oh, I fall in the hands of God, not in the hands of men. That is the one that I will choose. And then David, because he knew his sin, this is what he did. He went and built an altar. He went and built the altar and made sacrifices to God. And as the angel of the Lord, he saw... David was enlightened to be able to see. He saw between the spans of heaven and earth. He saw the hovering angel with the sword drawn. He was struck with some fear and reverence, as would anybody. But he continued to have that altar built and sacrifice to God and call upon him. And here's the thing. David confessed, but he also had a change of heart. Do you think he was ever going to do this again? <laughs> no. He had a change of heart. He had a change of action. He built, had an altar built. He changed his action, which is a sign that we've changed life. We are being renewed. We're being transformed. We're going to live different. We're going to have a different outlook on life and our attitude within us is going to have a different outlook. We're going to begin to see things God's way. We're going to collect the lessons along the way that help remind us of our transformation. And here's the beauty. As David repented, he confessed and then he took action on the confession to follow the Lord and do things His way. As he repented, the Lord relented. He instructed the angel to put away his sword and to hold back from the judgment and the pestilence that they deserved, that David deserved. I want you to know that God hasn't changed. He's the same. Yesterday, Come on, say it. Today and forever. He is the same. If I will repent, He will relent. He has made a way for us. Sent Christ to a cross. To pay my penalty. To rescue me. The demand of sin... There was a price to be paid, and you and I could not foot the bill. We would lose our lives for eternity. No one would be restored to the initial glory of that close relationship with God. And God sent His Son, His only begotten Son. You know this. He loved you so much that you don't have to perish Choice is yours. Choice is mine. Because we know that no one goes to the Father in heaven except through faith in Jesus Christ. It is what Jesus told us. John chapter 14. I want you to remember, no matter what you've done, no matter what battle you face, if you repent, two parts. You confess. I want you to practice something. I want you to repeat this with me. I am sorry. Go ahead. I, am sorry. I, I was, was wrong. wrong. Those of you who said you never heard your spouse say it before, now you can't say it anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry comes out pretty easy. But the confession that I am wrong, I was wrong. is a whole other level of openness and to say, I am to blame. I'm not putting this off on somebody else. I'm not blaming somebody else close to me. I'm not saying this wife of mine, this husband of mine, this friend of mine, these friends... Oh, this person who hurt me before, therefore, this is how I make decisions. Oh, God, you understand. Confession is, I did it. No big case in in defense case to to explain why I was guilty and why I was wrong as if we really softened kind of the I was wrong. Did you ever have that happen? Somebody's making an apology. I'm sorry, but therefore, you know, that's why I did this. (laughs) In other words, I'm sorry, but I'm really blaming something else somewhere. No, no. I chose. I chose to say it. I chose to think it. I chose to do it. I chose to, I chose, I chose, I chose. I chose not to be disciplined. I chose not to, oh, listen to your word. I didn't know it was in your word because I choose not to read your word. David, his heart struck him. He knew he did wrong. David said to the Lord, after his heart struck him, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. Now here's the great news. But now O Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant for I have done foolishly. Do you ever use those words when you talk to the Lord about your life? I use words like folly, foolishness. Yeah. Bible words. Nobody wants to be a fool. How many of you have been a fool because of your sin? Anybody? Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, you just were one. (laughs) I'm not calling you one. You are so important to Him, regardless of your history. He takes you and eternity very serious. He, he wants you there where He is. He, he's going there to build a place for you. He'd like you to show up so that where He is, you can also be. Hey, listen, have you ever gone anywhere and you're having a great time, having a good time, and you're like, I just wish so-and-so was here with me. Our daughter, Sydney, most of you would know her. She lives in the Twin Cities with her husband, Tim. And uh, he was away doing a a, a retreat for part of their church. And Sydney had the privilege of being uh, uh, flown down by a friend who was going to be doing some business in Florida for a few days and said, hey, I've got some downtime, Sydney. How would you like to go with? And they went. And there, even Sydney sends us a picture. Oh my goodness, is she white? <laughs> Soaking up those rays, and I'm just thinking, oh honey, she's only down there for a couple days. Literally, it was a quick trip down. Enjoy. They go out to eat. The other uh, her friend goes off and does what she needs to do, and Sydney could just relax for a couple days. And she she called last night, and Sue and I were together in the vehicle, and uh, Sydney called, and so. We took the call and, I, you know, come out like, are you having a good time? She, uh, she says, yeah, I, I kind of feel bad a little bit. I was like, well, well, because Tim's not here. And I feel a little bad about enjoying this without him. And I really want to get home. I wouldn't want to stay a week not unless I could enjoy this with Him. That is exactly how Jesus feels and thinks about you. I want you here! I don't want to just enjoy this without you. Part of the enjoyment for me is you enjoying this. Right? It's not worth going to the fancy restaurant and paying the high dollar and leaving a really generous tip when the person you're taking isn't enjoying it. Tell me next time if you're not going to enjoy doing something like this because I'd like to just take you to McDonald's. <laughs> I'd rather pay $20 for a bad time. Right? <laughs> not $200. I'm just throwing out numbers. I have not been out to a $200 dinner with my wife. Thank <laughs> you. Listen. It's how he thinks about you. He's going to bring discipline so that we learn, we don't do it again, we stay in right relationship. It moves us into right relationship. But if we repent, we admit it, we confess and we change. That's the repentance part. He will relent because he paid for it already, for you, for me. As we go to communion this morning, it's time for us to repent. I admit it. This is wrong in me. This was wrong. I'm going to have to eat crow. Translation, I'm going to have to be humble. Not only with God, but I may have to be humble in front of somebody because I need to make things right. Right. Listen, our apologies cannot consist of this. You have a dispute. We'll just, we'll just play games here. This is imaginary. They did not come in and tell me any of this. Rock and Jenna, they have a little go at it. Right? Said some things that probably weren't very nice to each other didn't matter who started it, Jenna. No, I'm kidding. I'm messing with you. Doesn't matter. And let's say he said some things in response to her startness that weren't right. And then he comes home. And he does something really nice for her. And she recognizes that he did this really nice thing and that he's probably feeling bad. And that he did this really nice thing because he's feeling bad. And then she comes in and says, thanks for doing that. He says, yeah, I love you, baby. and you know, <laughs> Whatever he says, I don't know. <laughs> I love you, baby. He's going to be using that now. It works. <laughs> <laughs> never says, I'm sorry I was wrong. Just do this nice thing as a gift of I'm sorry, but it never came out of his mouth. <sighs> Confession. This is what's wrong with me. My heart is struck within me because I've done this thing, said this thing, hold on to this thing. And I know it's not, it doesn't look like you. I've been wrong. Forgive me. And help me. Help me to put more of you in here. There's space now because I took that other thing out my way. I took my way out of the way. I want you your way in here. Help me live different. That's repentance. We have a moment this morning before we eat the bread and drink the cup according to Paul's instruction in the letter of Corinthians to us on how to do this. It says, before you eat the bread or drink the cup, a person should examine himself. So right now, you go into examination mode, your mind and soul, and judge yourself. Confess with the intention and the cry for help to repent and change. I want you to begin to do that, right now, all across this room or wherever you're watching from. Just begin to do this. Make things clean. Make things right between you and him. If you need to confess to something to somebody, take care of it. Do it. Do it now, or keep the promise to do it. Maybe they're not here. I want your heart, I want my heart to be struck within me. Not just this morning, but today and tomorrow and all the tomorrows he gives us. I want us to know when we're taking it on the shin, it's supposed to get our focus off of what the focus we had that we thought was so important. And now taking one on the shin, it just interrupted that and we are focused on what's most important and what's right. And that is living in harmony with our master. want to give you this moment to examine your life. David wrote in Psalm 32, he said, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin has been covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. How could David write that? How could he know that? Because he remembers this. For when I kept silent about my sin, my bones wasted away. I was groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, My strength was dried up as in the heat of summer. And then I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, Lord, I will confess my transgressions to you and then you forgave me of all my sin. David knew what it was to have his heart struck within him. He knew what it was to not confess his sin and to hide it at different times in his life. The hand of the Lord was heavy on him. Didn't want to lose relationship with David. And Through God's heavy hand, through a heart being struck, The strength being sapped because you're just so drained from your spiritual dilemma. He says, I know what that is, but then I confessed. And boy, that's better. That's why he says, blessed is the man whose sins are covered. The Lord looks upon a person and there's no iniquity in their account. Blessed is that man. Blessed is that woman, that child. If you confessed and you believe upon the Lord Jesus as the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah, the one who died on a cross, one who conquered sin and death and hell and rose again, is at the right hand of God Almighty, interceding for you. Sent his spirit to work in conjunction with what he has purchased for you and I. If you've confessed and you believe all that, then say this, I am blessed. (laughs) I am blessed. I am blessed. David said, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man, the person no guilt, no shame. I know my history. God knows it too. He paid for it. He doesn't count it against me. Can't go anywhere else for that. I'm blessed. If God's done that for you, do it for others. Be the forgiver. Come on, stand up with me. Because on the night Jesus was betrayed, after giving thanks, he broke bread and gave it to the disciples and said, eat this with me. It's my body which is broken for you. After supper in the same manner, he took the cup. He said, this cup, it's a new covenant, new promise I'm making with you, with humanity. this cup represents my blood which is for the forgiveness of sin. Blessed. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Regardless of the trials, hardships of this life, wealth, poverty, whatever it is, if your sins are taken care of, blessed are you. because you can have whatever this world has to offer. And if your sins are not forgiven, you're cursed. You're cursed. I want you to be blessed. If you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you've examined your life and confessed sins or needs and made a commitment in your heart to follow him, know him, love him more, obey him more. Humble yourself before God and man. You know his body has been broken for you. Take and eat this with me. You believe in the blood of Jesus Christ, life-giving blood, eternal life-giving blood sets us free from the consequence of sin in every way. Then say, Jesus, I remember you, and drink this cup with me. Thanks for joining us on the LifeCast. It is the ministry of New Life Assembly of God in Sparta, Wisconsin. If you are ever in the area, we would enjoy the opportunity of meeting you. Until then, remember, God is for you, not against you.